I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Gwynn waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Oh, doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today, the guys will break down this dumpster fire of a season. They will have a Padres Twitter segment. And will the real Will Myers please stand up? Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric LeBoo. And welcome back, everybody, to the 5.5 Podcast. Now brought to you Wednesdays every week. I am your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric LeBoo. Uh, welcome back, Eric. I'm seeing you one day earlier. Yeah, so we're going to start doing these things on Wednesdays now because the schedule works a little bit better with uh, good old childcare over here. Yeah, yeah. I don't, uh, no, no daddy day, uh, you know, having to worry if my daughter wakes up in the middle of the night while I'm recording these things. So, And let's just break it down. If you guys want us to do it on Thursdays again, and no one does, we're it's going to be on the iPad again. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. We don't, uh, we don't have, uh, we, we don't pay the rent enough to use the, uh, New America's Finest Digital Studios 2.0 yeah. uh, on Wednesday nights. So it's kind of re- nice having mics. It's it kind of cool now. So. It is, yeah. We don't have to scream at the iPad. So yeah, yeah exactly. That's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, another week in uh, Padre Baseball has gone by. They're down to about uh, 50, well, I guess 50 games, 49 games left here. Um, Eric, you wanted to talk about how the Padres have the sixth worst winning percentage. How do you feel about that? How's that tank going? Not too well. Yeah, and a lot of people are uh, they're they're getting impatient, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, in our uh, Twitter segment. Now let's let's be honest here. Sixth is pretty good, but it's not good enough. No, it's <laughs> not. And a, a lot of people the the uh, the fear is that we're gonna end up winning seventy six games. Oh my again. god! Oh my god! It's like Josh Burns are all over again. It's like Bud Black never left. <laughs> I'm having PTSD as we speak of Bud Black era Padre baseball. <laughs> Which, by the way, the Rockies are in pretty good shape right now, so it's only a matter of time before Bud Black blows it. Oh, not only that, I can't wait for the manager of the year propaganda, and I can't wait for MLB Network. I can hear Harold Reynolds now how Bud Black came in because he's a pitching coach. He changed the culture in Colorado and blah, 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 blah. BS, BS, BS. Can't wait. Good old Bud Negro. <laughs> I hate that. I mean, it makes no sense, right? It's almost the same team that last year. A couple surprises with uh, Senzatella and some other pitcher, Herman or something, who are probably both overperforming. It just happened. They've always had a good offense. They didn't do anything special. They got Ian Desmond, who sat most of the time. I just hate that, that narrative. This new manager came in here, and they turned it around. Yeah, how'd that work out for Jim Tracy over there? Yeah, so they've been kind of overperforming. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. Underperforming is some guys that... Um, are wearing the Padre uniform this year. So. Yeah, all 25 of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's there's been some surprises there. Um, good old, and, and from this entire show, I'm going to refer to him as P. Rayla <laughs> because of Rich Herrera. That's Jose Perella. Jose P. Rayla. P. Rayla. He has, he's been off to, I, I didn't realize he's been on the team for 50 games. Yeah, I didn't either. That's a, it's a couple, good, good two months worth of baseball, but he has been uh, absolutely stellar. Uh, Eric pulled up his numbers earlier, but uh, after this evening's game against Cincinnati, which did they win or lose uh, this night? They won. Oh, those scrubs. What are you guys doing? Yeah, what, tonight's Tuesday night? Yes. The days fly by so quick. Yes. So they won Tuesday night. I don't remember the final score. 
Um, mainly because I mean these games when they when they start at four. I'll be honest, guys. I haven't watched the game in about two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go, don't go. We have plenty of show left. (laughs) So uh, when the games start at four, I mean we're at work. We're not we're not watching them. So when I was heading home today, it was right around the time where they had the post game, and Herrera didn't mention the score at all. Oh, he's still there, huh? I was yeah. It it was I was kind of weird to hear him, but so I listened for maybe ten minutes, and then at the very end he goes, "All right, guys, and once again, uh, that's final." He's like, Padres win. He doesn't even say the score. It's like they, they cannot wait to get music back on the dial. I know. You know, it's funny they do that because I remember Leitner one time, it, and I've been listening to Leitner for years. I mean, years, right? He's been here forever. And uh, he was legitimately upset coming back from a commercial break that he forgot to say the score at the end of the inning. And he came back from a commercial break and it was like silence. And he apologized. For not saying the score before the before the end of the last inning, and then Herrera Padres went by. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's Kings of Leon. Exactly. See you guys later. Bye. Exactly. <laughs> Please download the app. Yes. But uh, back to uh, P. Rayla. P. Rayla. Uh, Jose Perel has done really well. Eric gave me the stat line earlier. He's uh, 285, I think, 325 on base, slugging 515. My gosh, that's wonderful. You are looking at the wrong player, my friend. P. Rayla, 299, 341, oh, 534. Excuse me. Where the hell did I get this? You know what? This must have been before. Are you writing game. in Spanish? <laughs> no, I can't even speak Spanish. Unless I'm ordering food. I will not starve if you drop me in Mexico. So, seven homers, 19 doubles. That's all I care about. Danny's more of the stat guy. Kind of the. I like the. Let me give me the at bat to at bat progress. Give me homers, give me doubles. Give me stolen bases. Whatever you say, Family Feud. <laughs> but, uh, no, he's been really impressive. He's actually pretty versatile. He plays a lot of outfield, but he can also play second. But um, you and I were talking off air about maybe he should just be given the starting left field gig going into next year. Well, I said uh, a few weeks ago that just give it to Blash. But at this uh, point... Poor guy. Yeah, <laughs> he kind of got the short end of the stick. But at this point, hey, P. Rayla, he's earned it. P. Rayla. Just keep playing him, man. There's, there's no reason to, to switch it up. Um, I'd be down with him in left field. What other options do we have? You know, we could have the DH in the NL, and then everybody gets to play, but apparently that's not on the table at the moment. But, no, I agree with you. You know, at this point... But then we can see Travis Wood swing the bat, bro. Oh, whoop-dee-doo. Anywho. um, But with Perella, yeah, I agree. He's he's earned the shot. He's played really, really well. Um, Just let him have at it. And if it doesn't work out, bring up Blast. If that doesn't work out, bring up... uh, Cordero, if that doesn't work out, hopefully Dickerson, you know, is uh, hopefully he went to uh, somewhere in uh, East Asia and got cured of his paralysis and he can play. And worst case scenario, Jankowski will come out and we'll just all stop going to games. Yeah, just give uh, <laughs> give Dickerson a little rub and tug. And, uh, <laughs> rub and tug. He needs a rub and tug myself. Uh, moving on, uh, some other impressive starts. Manny Margot. Uh, I think you had his stats up earlier. I think I've got the wrong ones. I went on Baseball Reference. They're not as quick to update as Fangraphs and apparently MLB.com. Yeah, so I went to the Padres page. So, hey, this is official. Official. So, Margot slash Officially line, 270, bad. 308, 417. That's eh, not – that's eh. whatever. He's around league average. But, I mean, he also missed some time. Um, he's got surprising pop. Yeah. But he's, he's missed some time. His defense has been pretty solid. Uh, so I, I like Margot. I think as time goes on, he's going to do a little bit better. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit disappointed uh, considering what he came up uh, with his bat-to-ball skills, uh, not hitting for as high of an average as I thought he was going to. But I think in time, that'll that'll come. He definitely doesn't look overmatched. I think he's just the peaks and valleys uh, of a rookie. Uh, speaking of rookie, even though he's not officially a rookie, Austin Hedges has hit 15 home runs. He's He might 
He might touch that Padres uh, catcher home run record of Piazza's. Maybe. I, yeah, I mean, Hedges, Hedges has been uh, good. I mean, he's been hitting for more power than we expected, but... Yeah, and he's slugging like 440? Yeah, but... I he mean, does not get on base. He has a 267 no. on base. Draw some walks soon. Draw yeah, some walks. He's been everything that... He's been just as build defensively. Oh, yeah. Defensively, he's been everything that, that we had hoped for. But at, at the end of the day, like... Oh, side note. Did you see that the Padres, the sexy section? What? I, you mentioned that? I had no idea what the hell that is. What, what is that? So I'm assuming it's out in the Estrella Landing, which you haven't been to a game since... The what? WBC. Since Bush was in office. <laughs> so the Australia Which one? The Australia landing. It's out it's right underneath I know where it's at. Okay, so you get it. Yeah. So I guess you pay more for a ticket there and you get <laughs> you get an inflatable saxophone and it's the Austin Hedges cheering section. Oh my god. Why? Why don't they put it behind home plate? Who knows? You can't see those you can't see those fuckers when they're out there in left field. Number one, nobody hits the ball out there. But is that not the dumbest thing? It's ever pre- it it sounds pretty awful. The saxy section. Saxy section. I because I, of obviously the careless whisper. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean they call them swoon. They couldn't come up with something more creative. No, this is the Padres we're talking about. Oh man, this is the Padres we're talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean back to Hedges. He's he he is he's been slugging. I'll give him that. Yeah, he's, he's hitting for a lot of power. He's not getting on base much. But no. I mean, we we guessed really early on. You probably can't even access these in the archive anymore. Until really early on in our podcasting days, way back when, we had said, hey, you know, we think Hedges lit 10 home runs. Maybe he'll career high at 15. He's got 15 now. I do think plate discipline and drawing walks is something that you get better at as time goes on. I'll be honest, I, I would like to see him get on base more, but I'm happy with what he's been doing in terms of just overall. He's, he's a lot more potent offensively than I thought he was going to be. I think the walks will eventually come as time goes on and he gets a little bit more patient and picky about what he's hacking at. They will, and I'm guilty. I mean, I'm, I'm always guilty of this here. So of saying one thing and then flip-flopping on it, um, that's that's what I do best. So with Indeed. Hedges, I've been saying all year, anything he does offensively is a plus. Uh-huh. And then here I am bitching about his offensive numbers. I mean, I can understand, objectively speaking, no, he's not great offensively, but I, I you look at a 228, if he hits 30 points higher, maybe 40 points, let's go 40 points, not even 30. He hits 30 points higher, all of a sudden he's hitting... 258. He's got a round of 300 on base, and now he's close to slugging 500. As a catcher, that's amazing, and that's almost all-star caliber. So, you know, first year, first full season, he's had some injuries in there. Obviously, he got drop kicked by Rizzo. He had a concussion for about eight weeks. It felt like so. Overall, I, I think as time goes on, he'll get better. But I'm pretty content with what Hedges has done offensively, and like you said, the defense is as advertised. Yeah, exactly. And I, I guess it's just that on base that kind of sticks out. Yeah, it's the, pretty ugly. I'll the be two sixty seven. As as an on base uh, advocate, it is really ugly. It's yeah. an automatic out. <laughs> it, it really is, and I mean, it's not. And we'll get into him later a little bit. It's not that much better than Derek Norris. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Derek <laughs> Norris. You know, it's funny. Especially considering everything that's come out about Derek Norris. I've always pointed out how soft Hedges' hands look behind the plate. And I always noticed how rough Derek Norris's hands look behind the plate. And uh, now that we know what kind of use he puts them to, it all makes the most sense in the world for what a shitbag human being Derek Norris. <laughs> so how do I transition that into another player here? <laughs> well, uh, let's see. In terms of uh, hard hands, uh, I don't know. I don't know how we translate that. Well, we can. We have the Iron Glove. Jan Hervis Salarte, who's been doing pretty well this year, he's got a pretty hard left hand. Oh, God. Andy Green, why? You know what? Has he played? He played, what, one game at short? 
I don't. I told you, guy. I haven't watched the games in like two weeks, especially because they keep playing early. Yeah, that's true. I think he's, and I haven't looked it up, but I think he's played one game at short. But I don't get it. What's the obsession with him at shortstop? I don't think it's an obsession. I think they. He looks so bad over there because he's like this square bodied guy. But I, yeah. I think it's just trying to find space for him to play. Spangenberg, I think, played short, and I wouldn't be surprised if they throw a Swahe over there. But I don't know. It might just be that Solarte was probably signed as like a middle infielder and has played some short before, so then maybe they stick him over there. But really, it doesn't matter. Honestly, if he gets his bat in the lineup and it helps the tank, I don't really care. But I can see why. It's like, why would you put that guy over there? But Can P. Rayla play short? No, I don't think so. No? No. Probably not any better than Solarte, really, so that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Solarte getting on base 344 clip. He is slugging over 400. Um, he's been about a league average hitter. Again, he missed some time, too, and that oblique injury killed him. Yeah. Uh, so it also kills trade value. But he's a guy I could see in the offseason going. Do you think Do you think if he remained healthy all year, do you think he's still on the team right now? No, absolutely not. I, I think some teams would have dealt for him that needed some infield help. Um I can't think of any teams right now that need any infield help now that I try to think about it. But I could see teams saying, hey, you know, we can get this utility guy. Um, or the Red Sox actually would have been a, a perfect example because they picked up Nunez even though they brought up uh, Devers. So the Red Sox would have been a good fit for Solarte because he can play second, he can play third, he can play left, he could DH, uh, play first. So he, he provides a lot of flexibility for a team like that, and he's cheap. Togerson says that we could have got Devers for Solarte. Oh, well, Togerson should take a lap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> take a knee there, uh, Derek. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's so, the showers, kid. Aswahi, he's, he's never going to be considered for shortstop whatsoever. No. no, I don't think so. You know, I think he can play. I mean, he was he was drafted. I don't know, drafted, signed, whatever. He's He came out as a shortstop, but I think you're right. But I mean, I would honestly rather have him over there than What other options Solarte. do they have, though? Dusty Cordoba? Coleman? Yeah, start Cord start Cordoba and Coleman. Just let them go back and forth. Hey, it's your day today. Hey, it's your day today. You know, that's something with, with Cordoba, though, is he has been struggling. and A lot. And we kind of speculated when the year started that, hey, he's going to get sparing play um, chances at yeah, the plate. Yeah, like Torrens. Torrens gets very little chance. I'm shocked Torrens is still on the team, to I'm be not. honest. I'm really <laughs> They've surprised. They've done a really good job of hiding him. I keep forgetting that he's on the team, and then yesterday, or two days ago, Has he gone was, yard yet? Has he got a home run yet? Yeah, he has. All right. He came out with a sack bunt the other night in extra innings, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, whoa, he's still on the team. Yeah. Um, I, I lost my train of thought there. So, oh, with Cordoba. With him, he's not playing that much, and I'm okay with it. Because he's been struggling, and they, they're really hiding him. Like, I feel like it's home stretch, and I feel like the the toll of the entire season is really, really yeah. doing a number on You're him. probably right, because he's never been outside of, I think, short season able. That's all he's had. So, And, yeah, I think you're right. He, the, the reports have gone around him, and now um, he's starting to, to be a little bit overmatched. It was fun while it lasted, but I, I, I don't mind that they sit him. Just give Dusty Coleman a shot. Hell, I mean, Coleman's had enough. Just let him play. And if he's your starting shortstop next year, he could do a lot worse. You had Eric Ibar and Alexi Ramirez over there the last couple of years. Oh, and then Alexi Amarista was there too. And Clint Barnes. And can he be any worse than those guys? Well, you were thinking that they were going to put Urias over there at short. I, Urias still plays short in the minors. He's played, like I think, about half or more than half his game. So I wouldn't be surprised. And if he can at least hold it down, according to MLB Pipeline, He's ha made a nice transition. He's probably an average fielder at best, even at second, but he's got an arm enough of an arm to play short. So I wouldn't mind to get him in the big leagues to bring him up and just let him play short while we wait for our good friend, and there's no beer this week, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. to get through the system. Um, 
But I mean, in the interim, just let Coleman play. I think that's the best bet, and I would use Spangenberg as a utility and give Solarte third. Well, with Urias, he's coming off an ankle injury, by the way. He's uh, he just came back recently. Surprised it wasn't amputated. Thank God. Do you want to? Do you want him to play short? Like he's a second baseman, and he. He's hitting at second base, so why? He's why gonna fuck hit with wherever. I, I don't buy into a guy moving positions, messes with his hitting and all that. I, I don't buy into that. I, I I think these guys are professionals and that they're fine regardless of where they're playing. I don't think moving Urias to short. I mean, he said it in I think it was spring training when they asked him, what what position you know do you want to play? And he had that shit eating grin and said shortstop, but I can also play second base. He wants to play shortstop. He played shortstop in the WBC, and he looked okay. I don't think it's a bad idea if you're going to break him into the league to get him up to put him at shortstop. They have enough second basemen. They have probably a few too many second basemen as it is. I think putting him at short, at least in the interim, while you wait for a longer-term solution, is just fine because it gets him in the lineup. We weren't planning on talking about Urias, but let's talk about him a little bit. What do you say to the people who... Um, are kind of, oh, well, you know, he doesn't hit for power. He, he's not a power guy. There's no power there whatsoever. What, what do you say about those guys who aren't as high on him because of the lack of power? Uh, I say two things. Number one, if you actually see what the kid looks like in real life, you can see why he doesn't hit for a lot of power. He's not large in stature. He's a small guy. So to expect him to hit for power is asinine. Number one. Number two, power is wonderful. Power is nice. But for those people complaining he doesn't hit for power, get off of Suahe. Yeah, because he doesn't hit for any power, and Urias is, I mean, head and shoulders a better prospect. I mean, Urias looks like he's going to be an above-average everyday second baseman. Aswahe has been tabbed as a backup since we got him, and he really shot up through the system because at the time that we got Aswahe, we didn't have anybody. If we had gotten Aswahe now, and he was the same age when they initially acquired him, he wouldn't be any he wouldn't be anywhere near a top prospect in the system now. So for that. Yeah, he doesn't hit for a ton of power. As long as he hits a bunch of doubles, gets on base, and can steal some bags, he's going to be just fine. He's a, he's. I think he's going to be a really good leadoff hitter, personally. And it's it's kind of like with Hedges, how we say, hey, whatever he provides offensively is a plus. Mm-hmm. With Urias, I feel like whatever he provides in the power department is a plus. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to go out there and hit 25, 30 doubles, a handful of triples, and maybe run into five to seven home runs... As a second baseman, that's just fine. It's not like he's playing third base. I feel like the plate discipline and the contact will play at the yeah. next level. Yeah, I, this is a guy who could legitimately hit around 280 and flirt with you know a 350 or better on base. As a second baseman, that's that's excellent. It's absolutely excellent for him if we can get him up here to do that. I would like to see him at shortstop, though, just to see it. And because I think that's clearly the one spot that they don't have any... They have nothing at, and I think that's his. It's his quickest ticket to get into the major leagues. Maybe we'll look at that towards the end of the season, because I was I was kind of looking and I was looking at the uh, calendar. I was like, oh well, let's see how many shows we have left, because we're not going to do weekly shows for the off season. No, no, we'll no. probably do a uh, we'll probably do maybe a winter play- meetings. Yeah, we'll do a winter meetings. I'll do a playoff show or something like that, or let you guys know we're still alive. Yeah, well, maybe if the Padres make some trades or signings, we'll do some uh, some quick uh, podcasts. Yeah. Pod shots. <laughs> yeah. So there's, what, eight? Probably about eight left. Yeah. And I was, uh, you know, I was thinking maybe towards the end we can look at, like, all of the uh, shit bags, shortstops, who are going to be, like, rentals next year. Yeah. Because they're, they're going to have to plug that hole. They and are. That's what she said. 
And <laughs> not to me, unfortunately. It's not going to be Urias. I know you are going to be okay with him playing short. He's not going to play short. For we'll the see. I uh, will see. Do I need to call it like Espinosa? Well, Urias I'm not going to say he's going to shortstop as a Padre. I'm not going to say he's going to play short. I just don't think it's as unrealistic a possibility as you're saying because he's played. I think last time we talked, he played over 50 games. Oh no, we weren't on the air when we said that, but we were in our uh, group message thread. And he played, I think, at that point, like 57 to 60 games at shortstop. I think the minor league season is only like 100 games long. So he's played quite a bit of time over there already. And, again, the scouting report on it is that he's made a, a solid transition. So we'll see. If he's not, he's not. I mean, I don't really care. Yeah. At one point, I had hoped that he would get a September call-up. I do, too. And that's the other reason why. Because if he gets a call-up, I don't want a guy like Aswahu, who's developing so well, to sit I feel like if they put him at shortstop, he'll get an opportunity to play for the last two or three weeks of the season. But we'll see. I mean, I just want him in the big leagues. That's my biggest thing. You know, last year when the call-ups took place, Renfro lit the world on fire. Yeah, now he's been lit on fire. I'm looking at his numbers now, and man, he's hitting 235. On What's his season. on base? Like 280? His on base, 289. Ugh. He is slugging 460. Which is wonderful, by the way. Which we knew would, yeah. would happen. Is it 289? You know what? That's not too far off, I think. And we, we don't have any record of this, but we were predicting. I said, you know, if he hits 250 with a 300 on base, I think he'll be all right. Yeah. So he's about there. <laughs> but we bitched when Matt Kemp did that. We did, but Matt Kemp was making, you know, $22 million a year, and we were paying 15 of it. Yeah, but that's not coming out of our paycheck. No, it's not. So but who the, cares? The difference with Matt Kemp is that he was past his prime, and you can only expect him to get worse. Renfro's not past his prime. He's not even in his prime, and it's his first full season. And Renfro's also not a zero on the bases or a zero in the outfield. Matt Kemp's pretty much a zero once he steps out of the box. Really, if he's not hitting the ball over the fence, he's a zero. Yeah, it has been nice seeing uh, Renfro. when he Rooftop Renfro. Oh, man, so when he legit. connects. His other thing, too, when he actually hits, you know, when he tries to hit the cutoff man and the guy just lets it go through, it's wonderful. But that's yeah. my biggest thing is that the biggest concern with Renfro was always, is he going to make enough contact? And this year he hasn't. But he's kind of stayed afloat. Um although I'm not surprised with his struggles. The biggest thing is that the arm is there, obviously. He's throwing 99 miles an hour from the outfield. But he's got to hit the damn cutoff, man, or at least try to throw it through the cutoff, man. That was always something that was taught, I mean, in, since literally hit the cutoff, man, or throw it through the guy. He just clears him and then throws it into God knows where, no man's land. Yeah, definitely. Now, with, with the rookies there, so the Marco Renfro, we'll throw Hedges in there. P-Rella. Uh, I don't know if he's a rookie. Mm, I don't know. I don't we'll think throw him so. in there as well. Um, Aswahe, what what do you think overall? Are you are you are you optimistic after seeing how they've done? Are you kind of are you bullish? Are you like ah. um, bullish? Never really a word I use. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. Optimistic with Margot because I do think that Margot getting hurt kind of stunted his development a little bit. Put him on the shelf. Obviously, he had a kid, and that clearly got in the way of his development. So. <laughs> Um, but I like Margot a lot. I, I see I see a bright future for, for Manny Margot. Renfro, I'm a little bit more negative on, and I've been that way for a while now um, in terms of his September call-up was nice, but it wasn't realistic. And if he cannot learn to draw a walk, which, again, could happen as time goes on, but if he still has contact issues and he can't control the strike zone better, I, I have a hard time seeing him as being anything than a borderline regular, which is what he is right now. So is he going to be like a Will Venable? No, because he has more power than Venable. So I think I think teams he's gonna to me, to me his ceiling is Mark Trumbo. Whereas you have a guy who's 
pretty mediocre for the most part. And let's not let's stop saying that Renfro is Jay Bruce because he's not. No, he's, he's not. not even. Jay I Bruce. wish he's, Jay Bruce is going to get on base at a three thirty to three forty clip. If if Renfro could do that, I would be more than happy. Yep. But he's not doing that. He's more borderline. I, I think his floor is Jeff Francoeur, and I think his ceiling is Mark Trumbo. So you got a guy who's pretty good defensively with a great arm that has some power, but no plate discipline and never develops. Or you get a guy who's got some plate discipline, a ton of power, um, and could be a really solid number five or six hitter, but is never really like the anchor in your lineup. He's more of a complementary piece. I don't think Renfro is going to be an all-star like his scouting reports were saying uh, when he first got drafted because he's never developed the ability to make consistent contact and he's drawn less walks as time has gone on outside of that one fluke may yeah and that's that's something i think it's really hard for players to to kind of it's hard to change who you are when it comes to plate discipline oh yeah i mean you gotta think his, why why is he gonna change he's been successful at every level well his entire his entire pro career yeah. going through the minors he's been like this he doesn't draw walks no he doesn't it's not going to magically happen overnight that's why i like the the francoeur comp a lot i mean i don't like it because it sucks yeah but it's but it's, it's accurate yeah it's it's a realistic possibility because that was francoeur's problem if you look at francoeur's career he was similar he's a similar player he, he cannon for an arm decent outfielder decent base runner tons of pop but francoeur's uh you know, the, I, I forgot he was even here. <laughs> now that I think about it, he was a yep. Padre for a little while. Yep. But that was his issue is that, uh, you know, he could not make enough contact to, to maintain a, a starting job. You know, funny thing is the Royals traded Will Myers to get James Shields because Fran Cor had a good year with them and they gave him a contract extension. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and now we have Jeff Francoeur 2.0. Yeah, <laughs> shit happens. It does. But, I mean, that I, that is a realistic comp that he could end up being Jeff Francoeur. I'm hoping he's Mark Trumbo with some defense. That's what I hope. A 320 on base, that's all I need, 330, and just hit 25 bombs a year. But we'll see. What's he at right now? Like He's almost at 20, isn't he? Renfro has 20. Does he? Yeah. I can't remember last time. I, I, it's been a long time, so watch the game, guys. I'm he sorry. Has, he has 20 homers, and... What's what's there like? Uh, you said fifty games yeah. left. Yeah, he probably. I think he can get twenty five. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he could get hot and hit thirty. Yeah. You know, with Margot, what's awesome is when he goes on a hot streak like he has. Uh, I think he's cooled off by now, but for the last like probably week and a half before. Yeah, a couple home runs, a few games, and on base yeah. all the time, hitting triples. That's exciting to watch. You know who he reminds me of, and I hope that Margot's fate with the Potters is much better than this guy's fate was overall. He reminds me of Cameron Maben. Yeah. Like how not not in terms of like, you know, scouting and all that, but just how how a player like that who can run into one every now and then and kind of spray the ball and use their legs and just provides like an electric atmosphere when they play. It's exciting to watch Margot play. Did you just say electric and Cameron Maben in the same sentence? Yeah. Cameron Maben sucked. Cameron Maben was good the first year and then he was okay the second year and then he got hurt and then we never saw him again. So let's let's. But they got popped for PEDs. <laughs> yeah. So let's recap the show up until this point, about a yeah. half hour in, twenty-seven. Minutes. You're such a flip flopper because when Maven was here, and we got him. <laughs> it was man, I love the way Maven plays. I love it. He's electric. He's so exciting to watch. We need more guys like this. It's exactly how Marco. It's a similar style. It's a similar style. Probably ten to fifteen home run pop. He's gonna run the bases. He's gonna be fun to watch. 
and he's fun to watch on defense. It's a similar profile. Don't put words in my fucking mouth. Yeah. I never said that. Yes, you did. I never said that. Yes, you so did. So let's recap the The only show. reason I can't put those words in your mouth is because you got pepperoni in there that you're holding out on me. <laughs> let's let's recap the show so far about a half hour in. So Danny has said five times that he hasn't watched a game in two weeks. Nope. And he also compared Manny Margot, and he said, oh, hell yeah, guys, he's going to be Cameron Maven. No, I just said, see, now you're putting words <laughs> in my mouth. Don't check the tape. I said, I hope his fate is much better than Maven's was when he was here and then afterwards. But I do see that similar type of exciting player where he plays center field, he makes amazing catches. He's done that this year. He is amazing to watch when he's running the bases and he gets to open up on a triple. And he's got some pop. He's, he's an exciting player. I hope he's better than Cameron Maven. Yeah. But he has that promise where that first year we had Maven, when Maven clicked in the second half, we're like, man, this guy could be really fun to watch for a number of years. And people, when they signed Maven to the extension, were like, we want a great deal for the Padres, and it's wonderful. You got this great player, and it just never worked out. But Margot gives me that hope, that same hope. It's like, man, if this guy stays healthy and he develops, how exciting could he really be? Yeah, and then towards the end, everyone was excited when Mabin signed that extension. They're like, oh, man, this is a good, this is a club-friendly deal. This is good. And then towards the end, the Padres are like, hey, uh, you just want to take this contract? We'll take uh, we'll take Mupton. <laughs> let's, let's trade some bad contracts here. You take Quentin... Uh, Maven, we'll take Upton. Yeah, what uh, a what a shit show. I wish Margot would steal more bags. He ha- he's at eleven right now. I think he's been caught six times. That's bad. That's not a lot of that's not a lot of ops. But at the same time, he's not getting on base that much. No, he's not. He's not getting on base a lot. And remember with the calf injury too. That's uh, true. So I I I would like to see him steal more bases. I think he needs to focus on getting on base first. Can't steal first base. But uh, yeah, overall, it's exciting to think about what Manny Margot could be. I guess. I mean, it's kind of wait and see with all these guys. I've What I've learned as a Padre fan, and I still find myself fucking up and not doing it, expect the worst. It's hard. It's so hard because we've, we've been battered and beaten so much. I had so many at work today. Eric and I were matching jerseys today <laughs> at work. This was, uh, this was a conspiracy to do so. We wore the uh, home whites from last year. You know, the jerseys everybody liked, uh, the blue and yellows. And uh, somebody at the... Uh, that the water cooler asked me, oh, wearing it proud? I'm like, well, that's about as proud as a Padre fan can wear a jersey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's there's not much to be excited no, about. No, there's really. not. You know, we kind of went over the offensive numbers here. I don't. We didn't get into pitching numbers in our in our uh, show prep here, but yeah. what do you think of their pitching staff like up until this Oh, it's been wonderfully bad. Jared Weaver is everything we'd hoped he'd be. Oh, I wish he would come back. Where's Jared Weaver? Bring him back. He's exploring other options. For how long? How many of There's no other options, guy. And, you know, you, you kind of said that um, in previous shows that, hey, they might just say, hey, you know what? Look, you're a vet. You can stick around, or we can cut you. Like, yeah, but, what do you but want? You're not gonna throw it. You're not gonna throw for us anymore. Yeah, ever again. I also said I thought after they trade every, you know, Cahill and Chassin, and you know, assuming they could move Richard or whoever, that they would bring him up to let him pitch because they needed arms. But I mean, he's been AWOL. I don't know why they just don't let him throw. Maybe he's trying to play short. <laughs> Maybe he is. Who knows? <laughs> or he's just doppelganging as Will Myers and uh, still at yeah, bats. I don't know what's going on with Weaver. We have, that's weird. That's, uh, he's out of sight, out of mind. But I'm, I'm stunned that he hasn't been brought up to just help the Tang. I'd, I'd bring him back. Why not? What do they have to lose? I they're, mean, at this point. They're paying him to do nothing. Just pay him to go out there and pitch. You want to lose? Pitch Weaver. Nah. I don't know. What do you think of Lamette? 
We were really excited when he first came up. We were, but I, I remember and I said, you know, have some reservations. Yeah, he's lighting it up, but he's probably just gassing guys in AAA. He's been everything I expected. A little bit erratic on the control. Uh, he's all over the place. And, and I, again, I haven't seen him the last couple starts. I know he threw well against, I want to say, Pittsburgh was his last start? Yeah. Yeah, so I know he threw well, but that's what you're going to get out of him right now. He's going to be really good one night and not so good the other night. He's very uh, homer prone to lefties because he's still developing his changeup. And you throw, and because he doesn't locate his slider well, when you throw a slider to lefty, whether it's down and in or out over the plate, that's a cement mixer into the wheelhouse. So he's been prone to getting smashed by lefties. He's been prone to some high pitch counts and some walks. But he's also struck out some guys, and he's looked really good in other outings. So he's he's been what I expected. What about you? So being really good one night, really bad the next night, he's essentially Perdomo. Luis Perdomo. Yeah, he's he's Perdomo, and he throws that, you know, Perdomo. Flashes of brilliance. Yes. But then... Very young, very raw, very inexperienced, but probably too good for the minors. I still think, and it's not the most popular opinion, or maybe it is now that he has a few starts under his belt, when I look at him, I see reliever. Really? I see reliever, I, I, and I'm okay with that. I, I am too. I, I would still let him start. I would still... I would too, but at the end of the day, I see his future as a reliever. Yeah. That's just me. Speaking of which, speaking of reliever or starter, where the hell is Miguel Diaz? Uh, <laughs> he got hurt that one start, and it's his second career start, and he's been able. Where, where's he at? Is he somebody get Jagoff on the case? I know he's in Hawaii, but uh, get Hawaii five zero Jagoff on the case and figure out where in the hell is Miguel Diaz? Yeah, I have no idea. I forgot about him. Until I forgot just he now, existed until you mentioned starter or reliever. Yeah. So. But uh, no, Lament, I, I could see why he'd be in the bullpen. I'd still keep going as a starter just to see if it works out. Because worst case, he was never going to be anything more than a maybe a number three, probably a four or five guy. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Let's get into uh, let's get into the good old Padres Twitter. Oh, yeah, this is my favorite. Yeah, it is. And uh, we appreciate you guys carrying the show tonight. Yeah, yeah. As we... you can tell, there's not a lot going on. No. So we're just kind of sitting here shooting the shit. Um, so let's see. Every week I love putting this out. Hey, um, we're recording tonight. Give us your hot takes. So let's see. <laughs> <laughs> let's see what we have here. Let's start with, and there's a reason why we didn't go over his numbers when we were going over everyone else's offensive numbers. Will Myers. So we'll Will the thrill. Yeah, a couple people were asking about Will Myers. Um, one guy, just plain and simple, Sean Conigan at Sean Conigan. Does Will Myers suck? <laughs> And then, and then a little bit more eloquently, uh, Craig Medeiros, uh, at Craig Medi, how concerned are you guys on Will Myers? He said, because I'm concerned these days. It's funny that uh, Mr. Conigan said, does Will Myers suck? Because in our little outline here that I have, my Will Myers topic says, Will Myers still kind of sucks. Um, I don't think Will Myers sucks. I think he is very underwhelming right now for a number of reasons, which I'll go over, because I delved into this a little bit uh, prior to coming on air. He's just really mediocre, and that's really what it is. He doesn't suck. I think if Yonder Alonso put up these numbers, people would have been thrilled. Yeah, but, that's but, everything we always wanted from Yonder. Yeah, but because it's Myers and because there's this, I, I feel like is this like this false sense of like superstardom because he made the all-star team and they pushed him as the face of the franchise. There's like this expectation. When I looked at Myers' numbers, his on-base and his slugging, have been pretty similar. His first year here, he didn't slug that well at all. I think it was like 427. But the last two years, he's been around that 450, 460 mark, and his on-base has been around that 320 uh, to 330 mark. So that really hasn't changed. The only thing that's dipped is his batting average, which is probably a case of him striking out a lot more. The less balls you put in play, the less chances, of course, you're going to have. He's striking out 7% more often than he was 
uh, the last uh, or last year. So that's you know, every hundred at bats, that's another seven Ks. And I think he said he leads the league. Yeah, he leads the league in strikeouts, which that's not great. Let me ask you: Are we expecting too much out of Will Myers? I think some people are. Yeah. Is he like? Is he a uh, as they say, big fish in a small pond? I think so. I, and our I, pond is so small and shitty, and we're so desperate for a superstar that we would take a bluegill at this point. Yeah, to I, catch anything. I I think you're right. Even though I don't get that fishing reference, I assume that's a tiny fish. Yes, it is. <laughs> It but is. no, I think you're right. I think we're in a market where fans are number one. We we trade all our good players. I mean, it's just a fact. And fans are desperate for an offensive superstar because we haven't really had we had that guy in Justin Upton. I think the fans loved Justin Upton, and when he wasn't traded that year, you know, Padres Twitter and, and casual Padre fans, especially, you know, they loved it. They loved that we actually kept our good players, and you know, Justin Upton jerseys were very popular. I think fans are desperate to have that kind of superstar like that's our guy you know he plays for us that's our slugger and i think they they project that onto myers because they gave him the big contract there's a big hoopla made about it and maybe it was a little premature i don't think so but um you know when i look at his numbers he's doing just fine i will say that the offense for the league is up so on base and slugging for the league is higher this year than it was last year and so even though he's maintaining that does make him you know he's not keeping pace so it does make him more mediocre than he was a year ago um, but he's not hitting into bad luck. I looked up uh, good old Babbitt, batting average on balls in play. He's not hitting into bad luck. He's hitting 301 when he puts the ball in play. He's just not putting the ball in play as often. He is hitting more home runs per fly ball, which is good. So really, I think it's a contact issue, and I think that's something he'll fix uh, going into next year. Because his approach this year was he just wants to hit home runs. That's all he's trying to do. And at the end of the day, even if even if he doesn't get hot, because I mentioned this last week, even if he doesn't get hot and end the season with you know better numbers, mm-hmm. If he has a bad year, he has a bad year. It happens. Manny Machado had like a sub 300 on base this year, and he's he's another year away from free agency. Nobody's panicking. Yeah, it's just you know, I think. But Myers isn't Machado. No, he's not. But you clearly know, not. No, he's not. But I I think people get. I don't think I didn't really realize until I got into stats like how often players struggle and how hard it is to project consistent performance, even with the really good players. You know, last year Bryce Harper was coming off an MVP season. And last year, he didn't look like a bum, but he wasn't anything like he was. And then this year, he's back. You know, not everybody's Mike Trout. They just roll out there and hit, you know, 300, 400, 500, and then they're MVP candidates. You know, these guys are going to have ups and downs. And I think that's what Myers is having. He's had a couple of really good seasons. He had his first full season last year where he's healthy, and this year he's healthy again. But you know, he's having some ups and downs. I think he'll be fine in the long run. I'm not personally worried. Are you worried? No, I wouldn't say worried. I, Concerned? I feel like it's mental at this point with Myers. Because I know you said you haven't been watching games, but he just kind of looks like aloof out there. And, and, I mean, he always does. Yeah, he has that uh, aura about him. Yeah, he always does. But it, it kind of seems like he knows he's struggling, and he's he's fighting hard to get through it, and it's just not happening for him. Yeah. That's what it seems like. And he's chasing balls that are way out of the zone. Pressing. He is. He's really pressing. And it, it, seem, it does seem like, and I know you're not big on lineup protection, and to an extent, I'm not either. I'm not big on it the production like, of it, but. it. It seems like he knows he's the only guy that's in that lineup, and he needs to make something happen, and he knows he's capable of it, so he's trying way too hard. See, I can agree with that. I don't agree with lineup protection that if you put a guy behind some other guy, all of a sudden the guy in front of the other guy is going to hit better. It's statistically been proven that it's it's largely unimportant, and uh, but I do believe the mental aspect of the psychology of Myers going up there, knowing, you know, I got this rookie Renfro behind me. He's got you know he's hitting too, he's hitting as bad as I am. 
Um, you know, I've got Margot in front of me, and you know, he's not getting on, on base a ton. I don't have a ton of RBI chances. You know, it's a bunch of rookies and you know, you know, mediocre players and journeymen in this lineup. I have to be the guy. I have to be the anchor. I can see that from a mental standpoint, wearing him down and him trying too hard. I do think him saying, "I just want to hit more home runs," and then putting, "I want to be a 40-40 guy." I do think he came into the season putting a little bit too much expectations on himself when really he needs to understand you know, it's only really his second full season. He never got a full season in, in Tampa Bay, his rookie year included, and you know last year was really his first full season. So I, I, I feel like the mindset should have been, I just want to continue to develop and move forward and not so much be an anchor in this lineup because we don't need it anyways. We're not going to win regardless of what he does. Well, what's his mindset going to be next year? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, ideally it would be, hey, I had a rough season, I'll bounce back and you know, I'll continue to progress forward. That's all you can do. I mean, so I'm not really concerned. I think he'll be fine in the long run. Um, it, it's just a tough season, but, you know, even Tony Gwynn says, sometimes you got to fail, you know, to, to get better. So, yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I do think he'll be fine. Yeah. I don't think he is as bad as he's been playing. What, a 207 average his last month or yeah, something like that's, that? Yeah, that's, that's not, not that. Will Myers. He's, he's not that bad. Just like in April, he wasn't that good. <laughs> yeah. I don't think oh, he's Oh, man, dude, bad. he was tearing it up in April. Yeah, he's an all-star then. He's but, somewhere in between. Yeah, he's going to hit 260, Clearly. probably get on base at a 340 clip and slug around 450 to 480. That's what he's going to do. And ideally, he'll play better defense and be a pretty good base runner. That's what he's going to be. And in this day and age, when you got guys like, uh, I'm trying to think of guys that make a ton, like Mark Trumbo's making like $15 million a year. He's a pretty limited player. Will Myers making 20 to be a not as limited player. I mean, that's the going rate these days. And it's, I think people look at, oh, $20 million. It's a lot of money. Mm, not in this day and age. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are going to break the bank in a couple of years. When they sign with the Padres. <laughs> yeah, I think Machado's going to the Yankees. I'm calling it now. Dude, the Padres payroll is like 50 bucks I in think, a few years. If they really wanted to sign with those guys, they could. Well, I, let's be real. I think I saw I can't remember they're who not started going it. To, no, they're they not. Could. No, they, they might. I mean, they tried to sign the freaking the Panda that one year. Thank I can, God. I can see them signing like a Donaldson, and he'll be like 34 when they no, sign him. No, I don't want I can I, see I him doing Josh, something like that. No. But, I mean, you never know. I mean, they went after Sandoval. They could go. Machado's not going to be that much younger than Pablo Sandoval was. I think he's going to age much better. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> but but I, he's not going to be that much younger than Pablo Sandoval in free agency. He's going to be right around 30, right around Justin Upton's age. Yeah. So, uh, but I could. I think Jagoff was a – I don't remember who did it. They were going over the numbers. Outside of, like, dead money, which I think after this year, Matt Kemp's the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, or after a couple of years, Matt Kemp will still be the only one. They only have, like – a projected thirty to forty million, like committed to to the rest of the team. Yeah, so they could go out and do it. But yeah, back on track here. Twenty million dollars, guys. It it doesn't get what it used to. You know, it's not it's not a lot of money these days compared to what the big free agents can make. Mike Trout hit the free agent market right now. He's a thirty five million dollar player. Yeah, because Stanton's making thirty, and I would take Trout over Stanton hand over fist. Yeah, that's true. Um, the next question, or not question, but the next topic uh, requested here is from at Patrick Brewer ninety three, the uh, co host of the East Village Times podcast. Probably, yes. I have to give it to him. That's a that's probably one of the greatest theme songs I've ever heard for a podcast. Yeah, better than ours. I yeah. mean, we don't have anyone that wants to sing for us. Yeah, actually, if you do, uh, submit it. Yes. Um, so he says, uh, "Good old Michelle Bias." Ah, yes, Michelle. I love you, Michelle. I love you, Michelle. So, <laughs> seven innings, his uh, most recent start here. Seven innings. He improves to 5-0, and oh, uh, by the way, which no one really cares about wins and losses anymore. Even me, I'm more of the, you know, average oh, RBI man. guy. I remember. I don't even care about wins and losses I remember and losses Eric anymore. was basically Mitch Williams. 
Yeah. When do we stop caring about wins and losses and start caring about ERA? Yeah. That's a direct Mitch Williams quote. Yeah, it is. So seven <laughs> innings, uh, seven innings pitch, four hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. Good grief. Less what than a- less than ten strikeouts. I don't know about this guy. I mean, I think he's falling off. Yeah, I think I think so too. I, ERA yeah. back down under one, sitting at .74. They gotta move that. We have been saying this, and I don't think they're gonna do it Beating now. Beating a dead horse. They're not gonna do it now. Them to move him up. There's like three weeks left in the season. I think their their playoffs are in September. They're not going to move him up. But, God, at some point, when do you just say enough is enough? Let's give him a couple starts in Elsinore because he has been just mowing these guys down. And we say it week after week. I'm just stunned that. It really feels like a broken record. Every week it's like, hey, Tatis is mashing. Hey, Baez is tearing it up. Tatis I get because Tatis is 18. I mean, I understand that he's really young for the league. Baez is 21, and he is – I feel like these guys aren't a challenge, and it's it's not – I don't know. You know, I'm not AJ Preller, and I'm not the the farm system. And the farm system, in terms of you know their personnel and who they have developing the talent, is top ranked. But I just I don't I can't see what they could tell me to convince me that he's not ready for a challenge in Elsinore. Because I feel like the guy at Fangraphs, Eric Loggenhagen, again, guys, he does a chat I think every week, so check him out. But you know, he says it himself, and like you know, he's basically relying on heat to blow these guys away. At some point, you know, that's not always going to work he's got to learn at some point to you know actually pitch and he's not doing that at fort wayne when he's punching out nine guys and you know five or six inning outings well and in that same breath you can also if you are scrolling through padres twitter enough i think actually the other half of the east village times podcast mr james clark he posted a i believe it was him he posted a video of um, a compilation of baez uh, strikeouts and he's man his curveball Oh, it's nasty. It's nasty. His changeup is filthy. Yeah, it's it's. So he's got I don't good I don't stuff. know if I really if I really go along with the take of oh he's just blowing it by guys because I was also seeing things they were saying that he's not sitting the ninety eight that we thought he would be at. He's sitting anywhere from ninety three to ninety four. Sure, which is still good. Oh, it's very good. But even at that level, you still have to mix in secondary pitches. To you get do, out. yeah, you do. I I would just like to see him go to. It's called advanced single A for a reason. I I'd like to see him face more advanced talent. And just move up because he at this point, even if he is using his pitches, he's way better than the league. And at twenty one, I think he needs to be closer to double A than single A. What do you think about what do you think about the take where people are saying that just how last year um, they wanted the the rookies to stay in El Paso because they were going for a championship. They're doing their playoff push. They want to get these guys a taste of playoff baseball. There's some people out there that are saying that um, that's why they're keeping Baez and that's why they're keeping Tatis in Fort Wayne, even though they probably should be moved up, but Elsinore is not in a position where they're going to compete. Fort Wayne is right there in the push. Yeah, I don't mind that. I think that's good for the players. I, th- I think it's good because it's rewarding for them. You know, they've been on the team the whole year, uh, and they've grinded out a long season. A lot of these guys in their first full season, Onya Baez, uh, Tatis Jr., Potts, you know, all the guys on the Fort Wayne team. God, that team is stacked. It is. Um, Fort Avi- Wayne is where it's Avila, at. who we're going to get into in a little bit. Uh, Morahone, um, uh, he hasn't been up there the whole year, but I mean, they're stacked, but I do think it's good that they grind it out and go through the playoffs. I think that's fine. It's good for them, but it sucks for us because I won't watch these guys. Well, we'll get to watch them next year. I'm not driving to Fort Wayne, Indiana. No. (laughs) I'll go to Lake Elsinore, and I'll go to watch them at the uh, uh, Inland Empire, the 66ers uh, stadium, but that's it. I'm not going any further. How far is that from here, the Inland Empire 66ers? Shit, I don't know. What, two hours, maybe? I was going to say a couple hours. Depends on traffic. Everything depends on traffic up there. Um, But, yeah, my dad took us there. I think it was like 
two hours tops. I that's don't not, know. That's not bad. Yeah, this is not uh, this show brought to you by MapQuest. <laughs> MapQuest. What is this? Two thousand and two. Yeah, I haven't used Google Map, Maps. Man, I haven't used Map, MapQuest since that first time I got catfished on MySpace. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. So who would have thought? And we were talking about this before. Who would have thought that on a week that featured your rotation being uh, Michelle Baez, um, Adrian Morahone? Who would have thought that the best pitcher that week would have been neither one of those? It would have been Pedro Avila. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Oh, my God, man. Like, we were – Potter's Twitter was blowing up, absolutely blowing up with this start today. Like, it was like, oh, hey, the guy has 5 million strikeouts through six innings. <laughs> well, his final line, eight innings, three hits, one run, 17 strikeouts. Good grief. 17 strikeouts. That's How many hits? insane. Three. Three hits. I was to say, eight innings is a long outing in the minors. I feel like nobody goes that long. They usually go five or six, I feel like. The most impressive thing with that, and also Baez's start, uh, Baez walked one, but Pedro Vila, no walks and 17 strikes. That's impressive. Now, for those of you wondering where Pe- Pedro Avila came from, he was actually the lottery ticket that they picked up when they dumped Derek Norris on the Nationals uh, when the Nationals needed a catcher after losing Wilson Ramos. It's been a rough year for Derek Norris, let me tell you. He, he deserves every bit of it. Self-inflicted. Yeah, but it's been a rough year. But that's the guy that they got. Um, pretty limited on what we have on Pedro Vila. At the time the Padres got him, he was a top 30 prospect uh, for the Nationals. So I was able to find some stuff uh, on him, uh, a Nationals prospect uh, website. Uh, I think it's called Nats Town. They said he's got pretty good pretty good command. Uh, MLB Pipeline says he sits uh, low 90s, so 90 to 93 uh, his curveball is a potential major league out pitch. So, I mean, you, know, you could throw that to get strikeouts or to get batters out. Um, and that uh, he could profile as a reliever. Uh, but the Padres are going to try to develop as a starter. Preller was interviewed when they got him. And they're going to try to develop him as a starter for right now. He's really slight. He's only about 5'11". So, he's not yeah. big. Yeah. Um, but he looks he looks pretty decent. I mean, from the, from the scouting standpoint, those numbers are obviously amazing. Okay. And I think he's only like 18 or 19 as well. I'm so his stunned. yeah his <laughs> exact he's twenty his uh, he because he threw a little bit at Elsinore this year mm-hmm. and Fort Wayne his, yeah he did throw Elsinore in in both places his uh, strikeouts per nine is hovering around eleven which is absurd yeah elite yeah and so he he got hit a little bit more he threw a little bit more contact in Elsinore uh, obviously he's more dominant in uh, Fort Wayne but yeah and you know I can just I can see it now the one thing that I don't like about him doing so well. Is you know everyone's just going to be all over his nuts, and yeah. they're going to be expecting him to be like a Baez or to be like, you know, Morhone. Like they're going to talk him up like they're talking up Lamette. Does this one start push him into hey, like this is our future plans? Like I no. see it as hey, this guy had a really good start. Let's let's you know keep tabs on him here and there, but I'm not going to get too excited about it. I mean, really, outside of a couple of prospects that the Padres have, we really should be even with Baez, and I like Baez. Don't get me wrong, I'm I'm, I'm high on Baez. But we should really be in wait-and-see mode with a lot of these guys, with the exception of maybe like Tatis Jr., who seems to be a consensus you know, future superstar, assuming he's healthy, and guys like Morajon or you know, Espinosa, or like Quantrill, you know, who's really close. You know, he's in double-A. I think we should just wait and see because these guys are really, really young. I mean, they're barely in Fort Wayne. They're not even in Elsinore. You know, if they got into Elsinore and then double-A, I think you start taking them a little bit more seriously. But until then, it's, it's, it's hard to... Uh, it's hard to get overly excited because they're so far away, and I mean, so much can happen. Yeah, and so to put a bow on uh, the Michelle talk, we both want to move up, but we're both 
fully expecting him not to be moved up. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. I don't expect him to get moved. Not at this point. It's already late in the season. On Avila, by the way, he's not even listed on the Padres' top 30. Uh, he was in the Nationals last year before the trade was made. So I think it says two things. It says how deep the Padres' system is, um, but also maybe how we should kind of hold off a little bit on, uh, on uh, you know, dubbing Avila the next the next big thing to be watching out for. Because there's some guys that got drafted this past year who are already higher up on uh, the Padres' prospect list from a scouting standpoint than him. Yeah. So as Jagoff says, let's not go jacking each other off quite yet. <laughs> Is that the approach we should take with the Vila? I, I think, I think so. so. I, I agree. Yes, sir. Let's move on. Let's so move on. the uh, next one here is from uh, Jake Tremblay, a loyal listener. Thank you, Jake. Jake, Jake. At Jake Lobito. Would you rather the Padres have a monster month and maybe finish at or above 500 or be shit and get a top five pick? What do you think? I think we may have a little bit differing opinions on this. Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be honest, uh, Jake. I, they got to finish as far under 500 as possible. I understand why, you know, it's fun to see the teams kind of get hot. I feel like they did that a lot during the Burns era where, you know, they they finished really hot the second half of the season and some guys that overperformed, like we'd have like a Jesus Guzman situation. Or some guy over Tommy Medica. Yeah, yeah. The guy overperforms and it's like, oh, this team's, you know, 74, 75 wins. But I'll consistently quote Jed Hoyer in the interview that he had when he left San Diego uh, and he came back for an interview with Darren Smith where he said, you know, if you're gonna lose, there's no difference in losing there's no more pride or there's no more, you know, difference in losing, you know, seventy something games, seventy six, seventy eight games, and there is losing eighty to ninety games. The only difference is um, you know your draft pick and, and the position you put your team in in the future to acquire as much talent as you can and that's what I would agree with if they're not going to win and they're not competing for a playoff spot then anything that they win to offset their draft chances is just you know it, it's it's shooting themselves in the foot well here's what I'll say and I'll, I'll start off by saying this I want them to lose a fuck ton of games mm-hmm. coming up which I think that they will. Yeah, and we're going to go into why we think that. <laughs> yes. I really think they're going to lose a lot of games coming up, and that's what I want, but I'll play devil's advocate here um, to Jake's point. With these guys, towards the end of the year, I like I said earlier, so the, the season's been taking a toll on all of them. You can tell. Now, for them to pull together towards the end of the year, especially against the competition they're going to face and finish strong, although they've been beat around all year, I think that can be a plus, and that brings momentum going into next year. See, I don't buy the momentum thing because the Padres have done that a couple times where they finished. One year, I remember they were like the third best team in the league since the All-Star break, and they won like 75 games or something like that. And people were talking about, oh, you know, this is, this bodes really well for them and, you know, it's going to bring momentum in the year. It, it has been proven time and time and time again. And maybe one day we'll get Brian Kenny on the show and he'll be able to cite all this because I know he has an encyclopedia on it. But time and time and time again it has shown that how a second half finishes is not indicative of how a team is going to play the next year. It's just not. There's so many other factors involved, different personnel, different players, different approaches, that it just it doesn't it doesn't work out that way in most cases. And in the Padres' case, yeah, it's fun to see them win, and I think people um, are starting to get antsy with the Padres being so bad. But the reality is it is what's best for the team in the long term. Winning 84 games, 81, even winning 81 games is a waste for the Padres because that's less money that they get in the international bonus. 
um, assuming that actually I don't know if it's less money there, but it's definitely less money in the draft and it's less access to top talent. Look at Mackenzie Gore. I mean, how excited are people about Mackenzie Gore? If the Padres decided they wanted to be mediocre, they would have never gotten that. They could draft picks like, you know, no offense to him, but Hunter Renfro. So you get guys who are first rounders and who could be major leaguers, but they're more Will Venables than they are, you know, uh, you know, Bryce Moncadas. Harper. Yeah, Moncadas, Harpers, and, and and not that Gore is that kind of player, but Gore was, you know, he could have gone one one overall. I would love another Gore. Yeah, I would love hit. two or three more Gores if that's what it's gonna take to make this team good, and that's really the only way to do it. If you want an example of why tanking works, go look at the Nationals. The Nationals drafted Bryce Harper. They drafted Steven Strasburg. They drafted my sleeper MVP pick, Anthony Rendon. By the way, if you guys want to look up who the best third baseman in the league right now is, it ain't Arenado, it's it's Rendon. Go look him up. He's having a stellar year, and he was an early draft pick because the team recognized we have to tank in order to get the best players that we possibly can, and I think that's what the Padres should do. And I do think there's also the other side of the coin there. Like, yes, they're scuffling. Yeah, oh, it'd be great, raw, raw, if they pull together and win a lot of games towards the end. But when you look at this realistically, we, you did the math before. Well, they have 23 of their last 50 games. Yeah, that's what we wanted. Against the Dodgers, yeah, the, Diamondbacks, and Rockies. That's, that's not going to happen. No, it's not. And that's what we wanted to touch on. They, The thing with baseball is it, it, it's a game of variance. There's a lot of like random sequencing, and teams get hot for some reason or they, they overplay. It's it's like uh, Mr. Fritz, uh, we cited, I don't know if it was last week, the week before, about Andrew Green managing the team to a winning record in July. It's like, we didn't really manage the team to anything. It's a shortened month because of the week and a half break they get for the All-Star break. Um, and also because, you know, it's just a random variance. You know, any team can beat any other team at any given time. This is why with the playoffs, it's always like your odds are never better than 60-40 because it's it's just small sample sizes adding up. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, how they're going to finish hot, absolutely not. They're playing three teams who are all going to the playoffs. The Rockies and the Diamondbacks are going to win wild cards. And the Dodgers are steamrolling everybody. They're the best team in the National League. So out of those, I think I wrote it down. It's a 23, right? Yeah, 23 games. They're probably going to win eight. Right. They're probably going to go eight and 15. Yeah, so there's a lot of people who are kind of concerned. The, the pro tank crowd, they're kind of concerned. Because if you go by, the draft goes by what? Winning percentage. Winning right? percentage, so yeah. So right now, Padres stand for about the sixth pick. Which is not bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, not a top five pick, but it's right there. But after these last 50 picks, or these last 50 games... I feel like they're going to still be top three. Oh, I do too. I, I do too. And because you're right, man, they're not going to win anything. Well, they against were these guys. They were a top three pick for the most part until July. July kind of threw all that off because they they were winning so much and they they won so much that their projected wins went from I think when we started uh, doing the podcast early in the year, like May, when we were doing the monthly recaps, they were around pace for about sixty to sixty five wins, which we thought, yeah, that's about right. And now they're on pace for like seventy, almost seventy five. And I know, uh, I know Elston mentioned on Twitter how it's just kind of like that same middle-of-the-road mediocrity. You're not going backwards, but you're not going forward. You're just kind of floating. Um, I, but I do think they're going to come back down to earth uh, over those next 49 games when almost half of them are against three playoff teams. And I don't know. I know the Giants are mixed in there, and they might play some other playoff teams that we haven't seen yet. Well, maybe they'll play spoiler. I hate that role. Why spoiler? <laughs> yeah, you never know. Oh. Who knows? There's no motive. I know players say, but it's like, do you really feel motivated saying, hey, 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 we, we kind of maybe almost ruined your playoff chances, but I, I guess we're going home. Never mind. Yeah. 
And honestly, part of me wonders, like, especially the last few games of the season, but maybe even for a team like the Padres, maybe the last month, maybe they're just like, hey, let's get this over with. It's been a long well, year. Well, it has to let's be. Let's get it over it with. It has to be. It's kind of like, you know, when you know you're going to go on vacation at work and you're just like, God, I hope they take me out early. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of senioritis. Yeah, you're school. just you're just tired. You know, end of the week itis, end of the season itis. So my honeymoon's in two months, and I've been checked out of work for the last year and a half. Year and a half. You were checked out when you walked into that building. Yeah. So, um, kind of the 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 push for 500 there kind of brings us to uh, Padres Jagoff. He says, "Are you surprised the fan base only had 13 months of patience in the tank before calling for trying for 500?" Oh, also, not. my favorite part of the question, also, Brazzers or Reality Kings? Well, we'll get to that in a second, the most important of those two questions. We'll get to Brazzers or Reality Kings Let's in a Let's start with the first part there. Are you surprised that people are becoming a little bit impatient? I've seen on I've seen takes saying, hey, the tank is over. Let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves here. No, it's far from over, guys. Far from over. <laughs> far from over. Um, in terms of... Uh, in terms of the fan base being impatient, I am absolutely not uh, surprised. I think Ron Fowler, I think fans, like Padres Twitter and, and the more passionate you know, fans are more intimate with the team and what's going on. I think we all dislike Ron Fowler because he says a lot of dumb things that don't make sense and kind of make us worry about like what's the thought process, like what, what's the thought process in his head and like what's he thinking because he, he might ruin this. But I think the casual fan, you know, the fan that'll listen to 1090 and the fans that, you know, like my mom that'll watch, when they see an owner come on and say, hey, you know, I'm tired of losing and I, I want to turn this around and me, 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 I sell cheap beer except uh, to you guys. You know, when, when they hear that, I think they get excited. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's my owner. I don't want to lose either. Yeah, let's win. And so I think they jump on board with that. And I think that's really what you're seeing is a casual Padre fan saying, oh, you know, let's get to 500. Let's play some competitive baseball. But in all reality, no, I, I think anybody that knows what they're, you know, watching and understands the process knows that Team Tank is the best option for the Padres to get back to where they need to be. Yeah, to answer that first part of the question, am I surprised? Nothing about the Padres fan base surprises me these days. So let's get to my favorite part of the question. I've been dying. Brazzers or Reality Kings? We had to pick one. Well, you know what I'm doing right now is I'm actually looking through uh, Brazzers' roster <laughs> to see if they have any of my notable favorites. And uh, unlike Eric, I don't just turn the screen on and have at it. I have a very, <laughs> very distinct process. So I have like a roster that I like to go through. And sometimes I add and sometimes I release, just like any other you know person. Oh, I release. Oh, yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about the talent, not the, you know. Oh, okay. Well, pick one, guy. Well, I, I don't want to break down the rosters. Pick one. Well, I, I have to see because I want to make an informed opinion. Uh, let's see. Well, you know, Brazzers has got... You know what? I'm, I'm going to go with Brazzers. I'm, I'm running through the list here, and I, I know a lot of these girls intimately. So I would say Brazzers. What about you? You know, I'm going to go off the board here. It, really, I don't give a shit. I, <laughs> my go-to is xvideos.com. Oh. That's my go-to. If we can get a sponsorship, that would be great. I consider myself a porn. I'm the AJ Preller of porn. My top, my top uh, prospects do not speak English. <laughs> if they have a Latin background, that's preferred. I, I'm, I'm not gonna go as young as Preller likes to go, um, but yes, do you I'm at least have like Preller a favorite. Do you have a favorite? I don't know their names. I turn on, I go to xvideos.com, I go to Latina section, and I pick the hottest <laughs> one. 
I couldn't tell you if their name. I couldn't tell you what the hell her name was. Well, you like X videos? They're pretty good. I go to. Uh, it's called yourporn.sexy. Everything is in <laughs> H fucking D. By the way, my fiance's in the other room sleeping. Yeah. It's, it's uh, it's it's getting late here, guy. Let's let's wrap this up. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add in before we're uh, before we finish up? Uh, and no. I want to thank everybody, of course, for giving us a listen. And and I mean, I'm I'm being realistic, guys. All all joking and porn jokes aside, here, um, we have uh, been really excited about how many listens we've been getting as of late um it's a lot more than what we expected so yeah. a, a a very genuine thank you to everybody who takes the hour or so out of their day uh to listen to our podcast and to respond to eric on twitter um thanks for all the follows i'm, I'm getting follows i don't know why i'm not exciting on twitter but i appreciate the uh the semi-celebrity feeling of it all so i, I just want to genuinely thank everybody because we love doing this and we do it to the hell of it and because we're two buddies like to talk Padre baseball. But I, I very much appreciate you guys tuning in. That was uh, cheesy. It's honest. Anytime I look at when I look in the sound class, I say, man, we're up to 100 people already. Like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I can't believe 100 people. I don't want to hear me talk. Very small drop in, drop in the bucket, for sure. I was waiting for you to say, oh, I'd like to thank uh, Jesus Christ, first and foremost. Yeah. And then I'll bring in the Jaws music to take us out of here. <laughs> yeah, you will never hear me thank Jesus Christ. And if we have to lose a couple listeners for that, then so be it. Yeah. So anyways, follow him on Twitter. He's at 5.5Dan. I'm at MiserableSDFan. Follow us there. Uh, until next week, we'll check in with you. We're out of here. This browser roster is amazing. <laughs> <laughs>